the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Shooting tens of thousands of people for large-scale studies over the summer. The speed-up is necessary to try to stop the deadly worldwide virus. One researcher calls the current vaccine development work a great experiment, while admitting it does carry a higher risk than past, more traditional efforts. Rich Thomason reporting. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has announced an early end to the curfew that was spurred by the recent protest. The mayor tweeting this morning that the 8 p.m. curfew that was set to be in effect for as far as he could see will now be lifted immediately. This is SRN News. Mike Gallagher believes it's time to pause and reflect. It seems to me that this is a time for all of us to listen to one another, to all of us to recognize the need for law and order, and we should be compassionate and we should be righteous in knowing the difference between right and wrong. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 8 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. As small businesses start to open back up in Minnesota, is your marketing plan effective and optimized with a message that's timely and targeted to the customers who need your product or service? Well, we're here to help with a free evaluation of your marketing message and a plan to help you thrive. Just visit surroundmsp.com. Just past 1 o'clock on this Sunday, let's take a look at your forecast from the Great Plains Windows and Doors Weather Center. we got mostly sunny skies and a high of 87. We've got Hour 1 Brad Carlson Show of the Northern Alliance Radio Network starting right now. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is The Closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd uh, like to reach uh, to us via Twitter, feel free to do so. That's hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in on this uh, beautiful day. Sunny, but a little windy. Walked the dog this morning, and uh, yeah, we had a pretty good gust of wind. But uh, overall, it is a uh, beautiful day out. And we hope you've had a uh, fantastic week yourselves, and we continue to appreciate the uh, support for our programs as uh, we're going through this uh, transition. Uh, I don't know, Jason, what are we up to? Like week eight, nine? I've lost count 10. at this point. I have no I, idea. I, I know it's week, it's 13 consecutive Sundays where we've watched church at home. Mm hmm. So I'm thinking, <coughs> excuse me, um, I can cough without fear of getting awful looks um, when I'm at my home studio. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm giving you a dirty look from the Patriot Bunker right now, I'll tell you that much. And, and I don't feel insecure because I can't see it, so let's see. Everybody wins. Uh, I think, gosh, we're going to be up to nine or ten weeks from my home studio here. Just about. I know for sure, I know for sure Easter Sunday I was here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, gosh, I, I want to say it's probably uh, 10, 10, 11, but whatever. Uh, I, I always, someone asked me this past week, you know, how I like being at the home studio. And I says, well, if, if I, if I have my options, I always love being live and in studio. Cause you know, the aura of being in a radio studio, it still gives me a jolt of adrenaline every time. hundred percent. I've been going, in fact, uh, uh, it, I celebrated my nine year anniversary, uh, this past week, uh, oh, congratulations. Uh, being on the Northern Alliance radio network. Thank you very much. It was June 4, 
2011, so the first weekend in June. So whenever the first weekend in June rolls around, I celebrate the anniversary. Nine years, and I've said every show I've been on, I always still get that jolt of adrenaline when the music is playing and it's the mic's powered up and you <laughs> see the on-air light come on. Yeah. And, and and I don't have that obviously being at home. So if if given my option, if given the option, I always prefer to be in studio. But it's more than a fair trade off to not have to drive like thirty plus miles one way to get to the studio. <laughs> so there are trade offs, that's for sure. Because once I'm done with church, I can you know have plenty of time to say walk the dog and put some show stuff together, then have a quick bite to eat for lunch and get ready for the show. And so. Um, so if the show is lackluster, then that's on me because I have more than enough time to sift through a bunch of show prep, you know, because hey, <laughs> I don't have the hey, half hour to 45 minutes to drive. Hey, don't worry about it. You know, every good radio host tends to blame their producer for bad shows. So if you want to throw that all on me, you're more than welcome to. You know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a big accountability guy. I mean, if, if, if someone on the other end screws up, and believe me, I've had some... I've had some lackluster, to be charitable, lackluster board ops. Oh, uh, typically, they've been one and done. <laughs> uh, we don't need to name names because, well, they were one and done. I don't remember <laughs> what their names are anyways. But uh, Not Jason Stormer. No, definitely not. <laughs> so You've had a good run. It's been over a year now, I think, right? Couple uh, years, yeah, I think it was because I interviewed. I actually interviewed here at Salem on my birthday, uh, February 26th, uh, 2019, um, okay. And I'm pretty sure I started maybe a week or two after that, so it's been about a year and a quarter or so. Yeah, just sure, about. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. Like I say, we've had we've had some good we've had some very good board ops, and some like I say who were, were forgettable and <laughs> so forgettable they lasted one or two shows, and I don't remember their names. So uh. there we have it. Well, obviously the news cycle was dominated once again this past week by the aftermath of George Floyd's death. Of course. We all know George Floyd, who on Memorial Day was detained by police and ultimately died in police custody. Everybody has seen the horrific video by now of a officer, Derek Chauvin, Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, with the, his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck while George Floyd was basically face down in the street. And he ultimately died um, as a result. Now, there have been a couple of different autopsies that have come out. One, the official medical examiner of Hennepin County's autopsy. And then George Floyd's family sought an independent medical exam. We may get to that a little bit later. But the thing that always bothered me about people who were responding angrily to the George, the death of George Floyd were demanding justice. We demand justice. We demand justice. And everybody should be. Now, I'll issue one uh, disclaimer, caveat, whatever. Typically, the protests that took place during the day were legit protests, people marching with signs. Sure, they were raising their fists in the air, saying we demand justice, systematic changes, but these were peaceful protests. It's when the sun went down and these people went home and then you had some uh, nefarious elements come out. Okay, some were from the Twin Cities, some were from organizations like Antifa, uh, some were uh, other shall we say, questionable organizations. And then there were just those who wanted to cause destruction for the Bay because they saw an opportunity. They were basically opportunists, okay, destroyed the city. And a lot of that was justified by some who said, wow, we have to understand, we, we have to get justice. Well, from the day George Floyd died, nine days later, all four police officers have been charged. And that is what was wanted, demanded by everybody and justice has moved relatively quickly and the officers were fired the next day all four officers fired the next day and the union wasn't even going to stand up for them okay normally there's a cooling off period they're put on they're on their paid administrative leave the union looks into things and say okay this is what we're how we're going to answer any internal affairs investigations whatever well the union wasn't even going to do that so these officers were cut loose or the union decided not to uh, push back against the firings. And so the justice justice was moving. But here is where things are going to get a little dicey. Uh, if you've been following the news this past week, the murder charge was increased against Derek Chauvin from third-degree murder to second-degree murder, and then the three others were charged also, whereas initially it was only Officer Chauvin, the one with the knee on George Floyd's neck, who was initially charged. And this is from the 
Pioneer Press. Days after taking over the case, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison beefed up the murder charge against a former Minneapolis police officer and filed criminal charges against three others, saying justice would be found for George Floyd. Ellison and Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman Wednesday filed an amended criminal complaint against Derek Chauvin, adding a charge of second-degree murder. Three other Minneapolis police officers who have also been fired were charged Wednesday with aiding and abetting second-degree murder as well as second-degree manslaughter in Floyd's May 25th death. They are Thomas Lane, age 37, J. Alexander Kong, age 26, and Tu Tao, age 34. Chauvin, age 44, is accused of kneeling on the neck of Floyd for nearly nine minutes while the 46-year-old was handcuffed on the ground while Lane and Kwong helped him or helped hold him down. We're here today because George Floyd is not here, Ellison said Wednesday. He should be here. He should be alive. About nine days ago, the world watched Floyd utter his very last words, I can't breathe, as he pled for his life. Now, the issue I have with this is third degree shows a uh, depraved mind that resulted in the death of uh, another human being. It shows a depraved indifference. Whereas second degree, second degree indicates that in the commission of a felony, someone's death it resulted in someone's death intentional murder uh it resulted in someone's death george floyd's death so and, and i'll read andrew mccarthy's piece i probably won't get to that until the next but andrew mccarthy legal background writes for national review the point he makes is okay now you're playing a dangerous game third degree murder you could make a, a strong case for it because again it shows depraved indifference well with Officer Chauvin and his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck while he was literally pleading for his life and ignored those pleas, and George Floyd died as a result, yeah, there's very strong evidence for depraved indifference there. But second degree indicates that when while in the commission of a felony, someone dies. So that would mean that Basic officer restraint, putting someone in handcuffs, putting them down, face down on the ground, is the commission of a felony. Now, that's where it gets problematic, because police are allowed to use a certain amount of force in order to restrain a suspect, if a suspect is resisting. And it's also been placed on the record that suspects will often complain of injuries or health issues uh, in, in an effort to try to break loose. And it showed that George Floyd, the autopsy showed George, George Floyd had intoxicants in his system, and therefore this could have resulted in him reacting on a, like a fentanyl high or a meth high, something along those lines. And so this is the case the defense is going to use. Now, for the record, I believe these officers need to go to jail for as long as humanly possible. But the justice system is constructed as such where third-degree murder, second-degree murder, first-degree murder have very specific guidelines that have to be met in order for those charges to, 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 in order to get a conviction on those charges. And if these guidelines aren't met or if they're not proven, then you risk acquittal. And this is, this is what, where I'm really concerned with an acquittal because you are basically going to have to concede something that what you bet well let me back up when the third degree murder charge against officer chauvin was initially brought forth it indicated in the criminal complaint that while george floyd was resisting arrest uh, excessive force was used to keep him restrained and it resulted in his death but in the second degree murder charge the aspect of George Floyd resisting arrest disappears. Why do you think that is? Well, because if it's in there, then it says the officers used force because George Floyd was resisting arrest. Well, then if you concede all that, that's not the commission of a felony. 
using force to restrain someone who is resisting arrest. And again, this isn't my own homespun theory. This comes straight from Andrew McCarthy in his National Review piece. And again, I, I won't have time to get into it in this segment. We'll definitely get into the next segment of while of how not only does this is this going to be tough to prove, it may imperil good cops. Okay? And this is a problem when you have someone like Keith Ellison, a radical leftist who is just looking at this from a political standpoint. Because Keith Ellison has been nothing but a political hack pretty much his entire political career because he served in the Minnesota House representing a very far-left district in Minneapolis back in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s too, early 2000s. And then in 2006, he was elected to represent Minnesota Congressional District 5, which is as far-left a district as you'll find in the country. It's a D plus 22 district. So he had the luxury of being a far-left radical political hack. But when you're in an office like the attorney general, okay, it's supposed to be justice is blind. The law is the law. And when you put someone like Keith Ellison, who has a political agenda and is influenced by calls from the mob saying these officers need to get everything short of the electric chair, because of course there's no death penalty in the state of Minnesota. Well, again, there are very specific legal statutes put in place that you have to prove. First degree murder was never going to happen because that that implies premeditation. There was no, there's no way you were going to provide, going to be able to prove premeditation. So what's next? Second degree murder, and that seems to be kind of a reach too. And I'll get into Andrew McCarthy's piece when we come back in the next segment. So we'll take a break right now. When we come back, we can also take your phone calls too at six five one. 289-4488. If you'd like to reach out via Twitter, feel free to do so at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. I love golf, and I also stink at golf. I've tried it all. The lessons, the special swing contraptions, the neon brush tees, the funny hats, the putting all of my change in my left pocket. I like to say I just happen to have a high golf handicap. My friends would say I have a high talent disadvantage. Luckily, while I might be fighting some disadvantages on the golf course, at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're lucky to be able to serve listeners with a unique advantage. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. And for you, that can mean shorter turnaround times and often a lower rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money on a new home, refinance, or cash-out refinance. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Armchair psychologists have tried and failed to throw doubt on President Trump's sanity, but there's a new book that puts truly insane rulers in historic perspective. It's called History's Nine Most Insane Rulers. Author Scott Rank has unearthed the real lives of the nine most mentally unbalanced leaders through the ages. Some suffered from schizophrenia, like King Charles VI of France, who thought he was made of glass. Then there's Ottoman Sultan Ibrahim, the first who practiced his archery skills by pointing his arrows at his palace servants. And how about the president for life of Turkmenistan, who named the days of the week after himself? There's a serious side to all this. Power can be addictive and destructive for those who hold on to it for too long. This book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers, takes an in-depth look at the toxic mixture of absolute power and insanity. Are insane rulers a relic of the age of monarchs? Get the surprising answers in the new book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers by Scott Rank. Order it today at Amazon or wherever books are sold. So you're searching online for that perfect sermon series that you can really dig into, but you can't seem to find what you're looking for. I suggest you give GodTube.com a try. GodTube.com is loaded with sermons from well-known and revered Bible teachers who cover every topic you can imagine. And there are no shady comment threads or questionable content. Just great sermon after sermon. Hear God's Word daily, grow deeper in your faith, and be inspired by the sermon section on GodTube.com. 
Need windows? Why sit through three separate high-pressure sales quotes when you could get three competing quotes in less than one hour? Hi, I'm Ryan, owner of My Three Quotes. I will personally come out to your home for free. No pressure, no gimmicks, three quotes guaranteed. Visit My Three Quotes today. Welcome back. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Continuing our discussion from... The news this past week where Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison increased the charges against Officer Derek Chauvin. He accused of murder of, against George Floyd back on May 25th. Officer Chauvin initially charged with third-degree murder. It was increased to second-degree murder. Now, uh, a friend of mine who was a former law professor and former attorney had indicated that the, one of the motivations behind the increase of the second-degree murder charge is because then the other three officers could be charged with aiding and abetting. And it can't, that can't be done with, that cannot be done with third degree murder charges, apparently. So second degree murder charges it was. Uh, Andrew McCarthy, again, solid legal background. He writes at nationalreview.com this past week. Uh, terrific piece. It's very lengthy, so I'll just read a few excerpts of it. Uh, Most of the coverage did not note that Minnesota's second-degree murder statute prescribes alternative theories of murder, intentional murder, and felony murder. The new charges in the the case reflect, excuse me, the latter theory, felony murder. The case filed against all four officers concede that Floyd's death was unintentional. Instead, they charged Chauvin with the other cops as accomplices, committed the felony of third-degree assault by physically restraining Floyd when he refused to cooperate in being taken into custody. Death is said to have resulted from this purportedly criminal act of assault. Defense lawyers will certainly note that the new theory may have led to some sleight of hand by Ellison in drafting the charges. In the original complaint, something I covered in the first segment, Uh, Prosecutors more forthrightly acknowledged that Floyd, while he did not threaten the cops, was uncooperative. For example, the original complaint states Mr. Floyd actively resisted being handcuffed. In the amended complaint, that allegation has mysteriously vanished. We are now told simply that Officer Lane handcuffed Mr. Floyd. Now, Officer Lane was one of the other two officers that were basically on George Floyd's back. Derek Chauvin had his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck, and Officer Tao, he was kind of standing by the sidewalk trying to keep the bystanders away. Uh, Why the change? Because Ellison has changed the direction of the prosecution since taking it over. Originally, prosecutors were not concerned about accurately describing Floyd's resistance since their theory was that no matter what Floyd may have done, the recklessly excessive manner in which he was restrained with his ability to breathe impeded established depraved indifference. But now Ellison is alleging that the arrest and accompanying restraint of Floyd was felony assault from the start. To pull that off, he realized he needs to soft-pedal Floyd's resistance. Otherwise, physical restraint by the cops may appear to have been reasonable, at least at the start. Ellison wants it to look unreasonable through and through to the point of assault. Competent defense lawyers will make mincemeat of this, showing the jury how prosecutors massaged facts to make them fit their evolving theories. A case that prosecutors should win will now suffer. So, And then he goes into a uh, long dissertation uh, about aiding and abetting. I'll take a couple of uh, key excerpts here. Uh, Again, there is no evidence in the complaint that Tao did anything improper. Now, Tao was the uh, officer nearest to the sidewalk. There is, moreover, evidence that Lane and Chauvin, Lane told Chauvin he was worried that the manner in which Floyd was being restrained, prone with Chauvin pressuring his neck, and it could trigger excited delirium, a condition of agitation that can trigger heart or respiratory failure in some cases. 
Due to this worry, Lane suggested rolling Floyd over on his side, a suggestion Chauvin rebuffed. This evidence will make it difficult for prosecutors to establish that the alleged accomplices had it in their minds to assault Floyd. And even with respect to Chauvin's rebuffing Lane's suggestion, counsel will contend that the complaint shows Chauvin, too, wanted to avoid excited delirium. He just thought, however foolishly, that it was better to keep Floyd on his stomach. Now, on the manslaughter, to apply the concept of aiding and abetting is peculiar. Under Minnesota law, second-degree manslaughter is culpable negligence creating an unreasonable risk. By definition, a bad outcome caused by negligence does not happen intentionally. It happens because of carelessness that created a risk the actor did not foresee but should have. See the problem? Aiding and abetting requires proof that the, the accomplices understood the principal's conscious criminal objective. In a negligence case, the bad thing that happens is unintentional, i.e., it's nobody's conscious objective. That's why the prosecutor's theory is, to my mind, a non sequitur. Do not misunderstand. I think it would make sense to charge the accomplices with manslaughter as principals rather than as aiders and abettors. So let's leave out Tao as to whom I don't see any evidence at the moment. It would be rational to allege that Kwong and Lane, even though not as culpable as Chauvin, acted negligently in physically assisting the patently dangerous method of restraint and tolerably continued to be applied to Floyd until he died. That is, they should be charged for their own careless actions, not for the manner in which their actions may have facilitated whatever that they may have thought that Chauvin was trying to do. So in the end, Andrew McCarthy basically says it's, it is virtually never a good thing to have an ideological agitator as the prosecutor in a case where the mob is baying for blood and where nothing less than the most severe charges will satisfy them, even if such charges do not line up with the facts of the case. Attorney General Ellison's criminal complaint, however, suggests that he is not up to the job that needs doing here. Gee, you think? And again, this goes all the way back to Keith Ellison has really never had to exert a lot of mental energy to his jobs, whether it was a Minnesota House member or member of Congress for uh, 12 years. He served in Minnesota's Congressional District 5 because he was in very far left districts and just put his name on the ballot. And like I say, you, you, uh, if you, a wind up set of chattering teeth could be a Democrat in Congressional District 5 and still get 60% of the vote without doing anything. That's just the way it is. So now he's actually having to exert some mental energy here and apply it to the concept of the law. But instead, he's using this as a political cudgel where people are calling for all four officers to be charged. And yeah, they should all four be charged with something. No question about it. Okay, because when a man is begging for his life and it turns out he has underlying health conditions, at the very least... There's some sort of negligent homicide to be doled out. And again, I'm no legal beagle. How that would be dispersed, I don't know. But this is something that Keith Ellison himself has said, look, the wheels of justice have moved quickly from May 25th through the following nine days. Not only have all four officers been fired, they have been charged with some sort of crime, and a trial will, will commence. Now, here's the dynamic that's gonna, going to interest me. The officers assuredly will say, or at least obviously their legal counsel will say, that it will be difficult for them to get a fair trial if it's in Hennepin County. And someone brought this up on Twitter recently. You remember the uh, police officers who were charged in the brutal beating of Rodney King back in 1991? Everybody saw the infamous videotape where King resisted arrest and he was beaten mercilessly. by three or four officers with nightsticks, just beaten to a bloody pulp. Miraculously, he survived that. And they were initially going to have the trial in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. And the officer's legal representation said, uh, we aren't going to get a fair trial there. You kidding? With the way this has been blasted all over and impugning the char- character of the police chief, whether the police chief deserved it or not, and I would argue he probably did, Daryl Gates, but that's... <laughs> Another story for another day. They said, we're never going to get a fair trial there. So they negotiated and it ended up being in Simi Valley, which I believe is, uh, I'm not familiar with my California geography, but it's more of an upper middle class area. 
And so the jury pool came from that area, and guess what? The four officers were acquitted, and then we all saw what ensued, the riots and the looting in Los Angeles in 1992. So my point in bringing this up is, even if this is in Hennepin County, uh, the jury, I don't know, is going to be swayed. They may not be swayed by the legal nuances that are put forth by the defense when the defense says, well, this is what they tried to do by bumping up from third degree to second degree. You can see what they're trying to do here. I don't know if they're going to be swayed that much, but it's going to be interesting the back and forth of where the case uh, is eventually held. But I think Attorney General Ellison is in over his head. That, that much is certain. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, back in a moment. Go nowhere. Climbing up. Don't let your kids inherit a mess. Hi, this is Jeff Litfen from Generations Legal Services here in Osseo. If you've been wondering about your family's estate plan or lack thereof, I encourage you to get your affairs in order once and for all. Let the team at Generations Legal Services educate and serve your family in all aspects of estate planning, wills, trusts, power of attorney, and health care directives. To get your plan done or to learn more, visit us at generationsls.com. That's generationsls.com. Are you tired of buying a KN95 or respirator mask of questionable quality every time you go out just to throw it out when you come back? There's a new and revolutionary face mask in town, manufactured in the U.S. GivingMasks.com is now offering cloth, reusable respirator masks for $45. And yes, they are made in the USA and are U.S. lab tested for quality and dependability. You can reuse them up to 60 times. No more buying and throwing out dozens of expensive masks. Giving Masks has a limited supply of these due to demand. But you can get yours right now by texting Better Mask to 77222. Again, text Better Mask to 77222 to order your higher quality, better fitting respirator mask. Giving Masks, where they have already donated over 2,000 masks to frontline workers in need. Text Better Mask. To 77222 today. How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before. At conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro life. Pro Life Across America is non political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, we recognize that this school year was a little different for you, with families learning how to work and learn from home together. We also recognize that this won't last forever. As you look ahead to the fall and a new chapter in your child's education, TwinCitiesTuitions.com will proudly be here to help with 50% off your student's first year at a brand new school. To see a full list of our partnering schools or for more information, visit TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Welcome back, AM 12 to the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks always for tuning in. Look at what's happened to me. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, it's hashtag NarnShow. Hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And we do have a phone call. On the line right now, Dan from Invergrove Heights is on the line. Hey, Dan, you're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. Hey, Brad, how you doing? Um, the, the reason I'm calling is because last night on Fox News, Justice Janine was uh, talking for a good five minutes, quoting um, some of the uh, officers and onlookers um, at the time that uh, Derek Chauvin had his knee in George Floyd's neck. 
and that and that you were commenting at various times to uh, Derek Chauvin uh, that he should stop, you know, what he's doing for various reasons. She quoted, you know, different things that they said, and she was arguing that that constitutes premeditation, and therefore he should be charged with first-degree murder. Now, I know nothing about it. I, I mean, in terms of the law, you know, I can't different, make these differentiations, but I'm just pointing out that Justice, Justice Jeanine made what sounded like a very strong argument for a charge of first-degree murder. That's all. I'm, that's the reason. That's the whole reason I'm calling. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dan. I hadn't heard that. And like you say, the, the premeditation statute, I don't know, it, you know what that entails. If it's like, I'm going to find some guy that uh, or I'm going to find some guy tonight and I'm going to, I'm going to kill him, you know, or specifically, Hey, I heard of this George Floyd guy. He's uh, been unemployed and down on his luck and I'm going to try to track him down. I, you know, I don't know what the statute is, but she is a uh, judge. Jeannie is a, is obviously has a law background. I do not. Um, Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. I, I think reasonable heads probably prevailed on that because that would be a tough sell the whole premeditation uh, aspect. Um, but again, the defense will argue the police face this all the time where suspects will claim some sort of injury or illness mm-hmm. in order to avoid, you know, being in that uncomfortable situation and maybe try to overtake the officers. Who's to say the one thing I can't get past is like, okay, suppose he took George Floyd's plea seriously. Oh my God, the guy can't breathe. Okay. I'm, guys, I'm going to get, I'm going to let him up. Be sure to be in position. You know, do they have tasers? Because if he were to somehow rise up, they have tasers to effectively tase him. And if that didn't work, then God forbid you have firearms. But there were four of them there. So, again, this is all going to be hashed out in court, I'm sure. And what I'm curious about, Brad, is just I wonder if they're going to try to potentially prove intent. Now, I understand that every case deserves its own context. But and I don't know the extent of what Chauvin's uh, own complaint record is from people that have filed stuff to the Minneapolis Pretty Police Department. But I know yeah. that he has a sub, yeah has a substantial one. You think mm-hmm. maybe they could try to attempt to prove intent based off his previous record? Again, I know every every situation deserves its own context, so that might not matter in this case with George Floyd's death. But do you think they could go that angle? Well, they'll definitely bring it up, and it's like, look, this isn't this is something that has happened before. I mean, there have been people who have died at his hands. Now, for whatever reason, he's been uh, acquitted, or lesser charges have been levied, what have you. But uh, you're only human. That's something that could wear on you mentally, and maybe they'll bring that into it again. There's going to be a laundry list of witnesses, whether it be medical experts, uh, psychological experts, what have you. that are going to be brought forth. And this is going to take some time. And this is something that Mitch, my uh, friend and colleague, Mitch Berg brought up is that Keith Ellison has already said, you know, this is going to take a number of months. Well, we've got an election coming up five months from now. So it's convenient politically for uh, a political hack like Ellison. That's still something that could be hung over. He thinks could be hung over the head of uh, Republicans and used as a cudgel, even though, progressives pretty much run the city of Minneapolis, but that's neither here nor there. It's what he's going to try to do. And then if somehow there's an acquittal, once the verdict comes back at the end of this year, maybe early next year, it'll be too cold out here in Minnesota for people that to be motivated to cause chaos. And again, that's just something to, something to think about. I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope that George Floyd gets justice again, his family, uh, deserves nothing less. But the one area of the protests that uh, a lot of people have been noticing, it's magically we're no longer concerned about a global pandemic. Is that right? I mean, has that ha, ha, has, have we found a cure? Have we found a vaccine and we're all good? I bring that up, of course, because there have been mass protests literally all over the world. I mean, there were some in, in uh, France... And in uh, and in the UK over this uh, police brutality case, and yet if you watch any of these protests, you know, like air shots, like from a helicopter, there was not a lot of social distancing going on, and not everybody was wearing a mask. And I bring this up because the first day or two, 
of the protests, Governor Walls went out of his way to say, well, you know what, there were some unfortunate elements that caused vandalism and rioting and looting, what have you. He says the lion's share of the protests were peaceful. You even saw people social distancing and wearing masks. So it was still on his, the back of his mind to say, oh, boy, yeah, we basically shut down the economy for two and a half months. People have been sheltering in place and not together with their families, not able to celebrate weddings, not able to commemorate lost loved ones via a funeral because we're closed churches. Uh, graduations haven't been going on because we can't allow people to congregate for a graduation ceremony and people haven't been able to go to work because their businesses have been shut down because we've deemed them non-essential. Ooh, yeah, this probably isn't a good look. And it has not been lost on the folks. Uh, Robbie Suave at Reason.com wrote about that very thing. Uh, Democrat leaders praise George Floyd protesters but show utter contempt for everyone else still in lockdown. And again, this is from Robbie Suave. Robbie Suave's piece at Reason.com, with widespread mass protests against police brutality underway in major cities all across the United States, one might have expected government officials who do not intend to scold the protesters for violating social distancing to go easier on everyone else as well, at least for consistency's sake. But no, home state and lo- or some state and local authorities have given every indication that COVID-19 lockdowns will continue for small businesses churches, and anyone else whose cause for leaving the home does not strike the government as sufficiently noble. On Monday, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy thanked state residents for protesting the unjust police killing of George Floyd in large numbers and commended them for participating in, quote, the transformational moment of our time, close quote, even though New Jersey's coronavirus mitigation plan calls for people to gather outside in groups of no more than 25. And in fact, State authorities have fined citizens for organizing anti-lockdown protests. But for Murphy, the two forms of protests are in different orbits. I don't want to make light of this, and I'll probably get lit up by everyone who owns a nail salon in the state, said Murphy. But it's one thing to protest what day nail salons are opening, and it's another to come out in peaceful protest overwhelmingly about someone who was murdered right before our eyes. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who has repeatedly invaded about the city's Jewish community for holding public funerals and opening their business despite stay-at-home orders, struck a similar note. When you see an entire nation simultaneously grappling with an extraordinary crisis seated in 400 years of American racism, I'm sorry, that is not the same question as the understandably aggrieved store owner or the devout religious person who wants to go back to services. As a reminder... Here's what de Blasio had to say to New Yorkers who had gathered to mourn a Hasidic rabbi last month. My message to the Jewish community and all communities is this simple. The time for warnings has passed. I have instructed the NYPD to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in large groups. This is about stopping this disease and saving lives, period. Uh, yeah, the Jewish people, they, they're, not, they're not all that familiar with uh, uh, centuries of oppression, are they? Nah, they, they probably wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, this is not just hypocritical, it's odious. Protesting police, against police violence is extremely important, and the unprecedented outcry over Floyd's death is a critical opportunity to send a message that reforms are needed. But to say this cause, and only this cause, should be exempt from the lockdown is, at the very least, remarkably callous. Mourning a deceased person is no less important to that person's loved ones than any police brutality is for the thousands of people engaged in protest. This should be doubly obvious since in both cases we're talking about a person's death as the root issue. And that's exactly right because I I wrote a piece at bradcarlson.org this past week about how not, not all protests are created equal. And you had some medical experts, and NPR.org came out with a piece where they had uh, some medical experts justifying these protests. And, uh, in fact, it was a letter that was put together. I'll read an excerpt of this NPR article. White supremacy is a lethal public health issue that predates and contributes to COVID-19, the letter said. Initially written by infectious disease experts at the University of Washington, the letter cited a number of systemic problems from the disproportionately high rate at which black people have been killed 
by police in the U.S. to disparities in life expectancy and other vital categories, including black Americans' higher death rate from the coronavirus. Data is showing that blacks and Latinos have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19 in many states, said uh, Nocesi, who was not among the letter's signatories when NPR contacted her. Racism is one of the reasons this disparity exists. She continued, racism is a social detriment of health. It affects the physical and mental health of blacks in the U.S., so I wouldn't weigh these crises separately. So what the prevailing sentiment was that we should applaud these people for being willing to risk their lives in order to protest this uh, unending societal ill, which is racism. And you know what? I can't dispute that. I fully support all these protesters who are going out and protesting these societal ills and police brutality. Absolutely. That it's long past time to enact some serious reforms. Long past time. Agree with that wholeheartedly. But again, the question is, why are not some other causes given that same courtesy? And we saw the straw I saw the straw men all over social media. They were doing they were putting up these false equivalencies. You know, they would, you know, it would be caricatured uh, people, white guys in red mega hats whining about how they can't go out and have a beer or uh, you know, can't go out and do other activities and saying, Oh boy, these uh, these mega hat wearing people, they're putting going to getting a haircut and going to a bar on par with racial disparities. And that is so utterly asinine and dishonest. I, I just spitting angry about it when I wrote that piece. And uh, I don't have time to get into it right now, but I'll come back to it on the other side of the break here. And again, we're available to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with one final segment of this hour. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Whoa, look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. If you could do one thing that changed you forever, would you? How about something extraordinary? Set a clear new vision for yourself this year and join Dr. Sebastian Gorka on the Stand with Israel tour this December 2nd to 11th. Journeying through one of the most politically and spiritually significant places in the world, you'll see over 40 iconic sites straight from Holy Scripture. Reserve your spot today. Register at am1280thepatriot.com. Runners, to your mark. Set. Some may see a sprinter. At the NFHS, we see a future leader already off to the races. Some may see a volleyball player. Good hit! Way to go, girl! At the NFHS, we see a spike in confidence that will help her achieve her potential. What else do we see? Musicians learning to march to their own beat. We're the NFHS the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and activities in America, helping today's teenagers develop the skills they need to become tomorrow's leaders. And we see it happening in communities across Minnesota every single day. Learn more about the NFHS commitment to youth at NFHS.org. This message presented by the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. Arby's Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's 
Arby's computer service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own. Whether it's for your personal system or business, Arby's computer service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. From your first sunrise to the sunset of life, we are with you through life's journey. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Visit socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Welcome back. I'm the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. With me, Brad Carlson. Thanks for always for tuning in. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. 651-289-448 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag NARNShow. Don't have long this segment, so we want to get to Bob's uh, call real quick, and then we'll uh, move on from there. Bob, we only have a minute or two. If you can ask your question quick, you are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. Yeah, there's an issue when people are trying to restrain somebody, and uh, the person starts to panic. You know, there's a lot of fear, so they tend to resist more. Like with Eric Garner, I think he panicked. And so the police sense that and so they put even more force in trying to restrain the person and then the person panics even more and it just escalates um i, I don't think the police are understanding that or some of the police are not understanding that you can go ahead yeah thanks bob appreciate the call uh yeah that's a you know we they don't know the underlying health conditions but they shouldn't automatically assume that they're feigning some sort of injury or health condition in order to try to uh, maybe try to overtake the cops. And again, there were four of them there. So uh, I don't know how much uh, that's going to fly, especially since there was footage in front of the cup foods that indicated George Floyd, you know, he was sitting against the wall handcuffed and then they, they uh, uh, brought him to his feet and he wasn't resisting there. So what happened between there and when he was on the ground, uh, I would assume there's body cam footage indicating that, although I haven't heard what specifically that is. So, uh, I do want to bounce off of what I was talking about last segment about how not all protests are created equal, where you had far left Democrat officials, whether it's New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy or New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio saying, well, you know, it's one thing to go out in and, and protest racial disparities. People should be willing to put their health on the line for that because this is a cancer that has affected this country for centuries. But you know, wanting to go to a hair salon or, or beer, that's not nearly on par. And that's so intellectually dishonest and makes me so angry. And again, I, I don't say this from a personal experience. My wife and I have been able to work our jobs from home this whole time. We haven't missed a beat. We were still earning our same income. In fact, it's it's actually financially, we've been not only fine, we've been even a little bit better because we haven't had the expenses of traveling to our respective jobs, whether it's you know, gasoline or wear and tear on our car and all that other thing, okay? But I think about those who have not been able to work, who have been working for small businesses, and then those small businesses went under because of these government mandates. And I think about those who've been wanting to bury a loved one, but they can't gather at a church service because churches were limited, well, under the social distancing protocols, you couldn't gather more than 10 people until about a couple weeks ago, the governor said, well, okay, we'll do 25% or 250, whichever number is smaller. And there's also been those who have wanted to seek medical care for a non-threatening life ailment. But we were told, quote-unquote, non-essential medical treatments were not allowed to commence because we wanted to save the space for what was going to be an inevitable spike in COVID cases. Or how about you know, those who had uh, family members graduating high school or college, couldn't go to a graduation ceremony. That's a, that's a highlight of someone's life. So no, it's not about wanting to get a haircut. It's not wa- about wanting to go to a salon. It's not about going out to have a beer. It's about engaging in very personal, familial activities. And guess what? If you're not earning an income and you're the primary breadwinner and you're not allowed to go to your job, sorry, what little handout the government's given you isn't going to fly. That isn't going to take care of your mortgage. It isn't going to take care of food on the table. 
or paying the, or paying kids tuitions because none of that other stuff stops when you're out of work. So this idea that you have a collective who gets to decide what causes more noble in order to risking one's health is supremely arrogant. And I'm, I'm pretty angry about it. And here's another thing. We were told from day one, because you had a lot of people exercising those same sentiments, you know, as they say, you know what? Yeah, I might get COVID, but I'm a, a strapping, healthy young person, and I'm willing to go to work and do my job and so I can provide for my family. I'm willing to risk my health. And they were lectured. Well, it's not about you. It's about if you get infected with this, uh, you could be asymptomatic, and therefore you could carry that infection and, and infect someone else that has underlying health conditions or it's uh, the elderly are especially susceptible to this. You know, remember the whole kill grandma narrative? Yeah, how would you feel if you killed grandma? Or you want to have a graduation ceremony with a bunch of people gather and, 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 and they so badly want a graduation ceremony, they're willing to sacrifice grandma. So grandma no longer is a, is a, is a factor now in these protests? Suddenly we don't care if grandma dies? I mean, the intellectual inconsistency on this is maddening. And again, people know that it's intellectually inconsistent, so they do false equivalencies. Like they make these characters saying, you know, people fighting against racial oppression. And then, you know, then they have a mega hat caricature who says a guy who just wants a beer and a haircut. They do these false equivalencies. No one was ever making that argument. How dare you deprive us our right to go out and have a beer? And I'm tired of it. I am absolutely tired of it. And here's the thing. These elected officials have zero credibility left. If there's an inevitable spike in COVID cases because of these large gatherings all across the country, and if they have the audacity to come to us and say, you know what, there's a spike in COVID cases, you have to stay home from your job again. You can't go visit your loved ones in long-term care facilities because of the COVID spike. Those of us who dutifully followed along, even though we were hesitant to do so, but did so, we're the ones that are going to be punished again. And again, I don't oppose... These protests have been taking place over the past couple weeks. Yeah, they're that important. But again, how do you get to decide what's more important? Like the elderly people who wanted to see their loved ones, knowing that they may be in the last few weeks, few months of their lives. Do we ever ask them how they feel? If they want, if they feel it's like worth risking their lives in order to see their loved ones? I'm fired up, if you, in case you can't tell, but we're at the end of the first hour. Second hour coming back, I'm going to take a standing eight count. I think it'll be good. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Hashtag Narn Show if you'd like to weigh in the program. Our number one in the books. Our number two coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. We're Diamond and Silk, and we have a new book coming out called Uprising. The Awakening of Diamond and Silk. No one we grew up with could have dreamed of what we have been able to accomplish. Our mother was born in poverty to sharecroppers. She was living the American nightmare. So for us, the American dream meant not only the freedom to find love and follow our faith. Freedom meant not letting anyone else define who we are, what we can do, or who we should vote for. In Uprising, we talk about the world we grew up in and what led us to rebel against that world. And how rebellion led us to speak out on politics and reach millions of viewers and how you can reach others too. You've seen us. And you've heard us. Now read all about us in Uprising. Uprising by Diamond and Silk, coming August 18th. Pre-order at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Dennis Prager here with my friend Mike Hilborn, owner of Roof to Deck Restoration. Mike, I've seen roofs in the Twin Cities that have many years of life left, but are streaked and stained and look, quite honestly, terrible. Your company actually removes those streaks? Our process makes roofs look new again. Algae and moss grow on cedar shake roofs. Moss is especially damaging because it actually feeds on the cedar wood and prevents the wood from drying. 
And when wood doesn't dry, it rots. Cleaning and sealing a cedar shake roof actually extends the life of a roof. Mike, how can people learn more? See videos on our website at rooftodeck.com. That's rooftodeck.com. For a free quote, call 651-699-3504. That's 651-699-3504. Call now through Thursday and receive $100 off your project of $1,000 or more. Roof to Deck is now conducting no-contact quotes and service. Call 651-699-3504. Did you know that the Patriot mobile app can do more than just stream your favorite shows? Here's cool feature number one. You can set an alarm on our app that will automatically start streaming the Patriot at whatever time you decide. It's easy. Just open the menu in the upper left-hand corner, select Alarm, and choose a time. You can set it to wake you up in the morning with Hugh Hewitt or any of your favorite hosts. Download the free AM1280 The Patriot app today. AM1280, 